Well, good morning, Christ Church. Welcome to the very first contemporary service of the year. Yay! Bye bye, 2020. I've had my fill. They stayed too long at the fair. Well, if you are new with us, we want to say welcome. And we want to give a special shout out to the online viewers out there. And if you are new, we want you to feel right at home. So if you want to stand up and sing, by all means do so. If you want to raise your hands, please do. We're amongst friends here. And so as we prepare our hearts for worship today, let's go ahead and stand up and lift our voices in praise to the name who embodies hope and victory and love, power and majesty. Let's worship together.
together. Father, we come to you in the name of your Son. Powerful, wonderful, beautiful. It's your presence that we come into, Lord. We draw ourselves near to you as you draw ourselves to you, as you invite us in. Just right where you're standing this morning, I just invite you to just take a moment and even just speak that willingness to God. Lord, I want to experience you. I want to be close to you. I want to learn from your word today. Just tell him. Father, we come to you humbled, grateful, longing for you. And in all the parts of us that don't, don't yet long, would you work by your spirit to soften us and draw us to yourself. We love you, Lord. And it's in Christ's name that we pray. Amen. Go ahead and grab a seat. Amen. Thank you, Tony. I needed that prayer this morning. Let me tell you, I'm more than, more than you know. Friends, welcome to Christ Church. My name is Peter Solaro. I serve on the missions team here, and it is such a joy to be with you in worship this morning. I want to give a particular warm welcome to our live stream viewers. Thank you for joining us. Perhaps that you first uh, were with us on Christmas Eve, and now you're getting a sense of whether you'd like to make Christ Church part of your weekly rhythm. Or maybe this is your very first morning with us. Either way, whether you are in the building, whether you're at home in your Snuggie, please know this. God loves you. He loves you deeply, and he, de uh, he desires deeper relationship with you today and always. And we'd like to get to know you better, too. So if this is your first time with us, either at home or in person, I encourage you to reach out. You can come chat with me after the service, or if you're at home, visit christchurch.us slash new. Of course, you can also give a holler to one of the chat hosts or click the new here button. There is a plethora of ways to get plugged in here, and we hope that you will. Um, today is the first Sunday of the new year. This is Epiphany Sunday. This is the day when we celebrate, as the Gospel of John tells us, the moment when the Word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. If you read the message translation, it means, uh, it says God became flesh and moved into the neighborhood. We started doing life together. Um, in celebrating Epiphany, we celebrate Jesus' outward expression of his love for us. He left his rightful place on the throne in heaven and came down to earth in a humble manger to live as a human being. And he gave his life for us, for the forgiveness of our sins. What a tremendous joy it is to celebrate that with you today. Uh, it's no secret that the past year has been a, a challenging one, a troublesome one. I'm sure you, you're tired of hearing the word unprecedented by now. Um, some of us are, are tentatively stepping into 2021. We're uncertain if our hopes for the coming year will be true. Other, others of us are, are running full tilt. We cannot wait to get 2021 started. But regardless of the outlook, I think the question on all of our minds is, where do we go from here? What comes next? Um, we're all hoping to thrive in 2021, but what does that look like? What does thriving mean? Where does it come from? Well, Scripture gives us a rich vision for a life of thriving and flourishing uh, for God's people. That life is rooted in God's promises for us, 
and it's built upon uh, the way that he shows us in scripture. So we're gonna be exploring that vision next week with a new series. It's called, Where Do We Go From Here? And uh, we're gonna be getting a taste of, of God's plan for his people um, to remain rooted in his love and promises regardless of what comes next. Uh, we're gonna be talking about how to flourish in, in God's kingdom and world and how we can thrive <clears throat> living within his plan and purposes. <clears throat> Pardon me. So I do hope that you'll join us for that. And think about someone you may want to invite. Who do you think could really do with a taste of God's vision for their lives in the weeks and months to come? I encourage you to invite that person to join you either here or online. Now before we move on, um, we're going to be stepping into a time of offering here. And I want to share a little story with you about a friend of mine named Eric. Back in September, I was right here in this spot hosting contemporary worship just like now, jibber-jabbering just like now, and I told uh, people that if they were new here, I wanted to meet them. <clears throat> and that's true now. I want to get to know you. If you have never been here before, please come introduce yourself to me after the service. And Eric did just that. He came up and he introduced himself. He told me that it was his third time here at Christ Church, and um, he was interested in learning more about what it might mean to get plugged in here, to get connected and, and engaged. Um, Eric and I had coffee the next Sunday, and I was enthralled by his story. Not only is he a fourth grade teacher at a school just blocks from my house in Westmont, um, but he also has a rich background in serving with youth in the church context. Um, his multicultural, multilingual, multinational uh, childhood has equipped him uniquely both for his career and for kingdom service. When Eric and I chatted, he had a sense that, that God was doing something. He, God was nudging him towards something here at Christ Church, but he was not quite sure what. Fast forward a few months, and today Eric is enjoying rich fellowship with a, a group of 20-somethings in a small group here. They do life together, and they do Bible study together. Um, and he's on a team here that's seeking to develop new pathways for new people like him to get plugged in here at Christ Church. And as we move out of the pandemic and back towards something hopefully resembling normalcy, uh, Eric's looking forward to serving with our children's and student ministry. It seems as though things are already moving in Eric's life in an exciting new way. I'm telling you all this because I hope that you too will begin to consider the story that God is writing with your life right now, right here in this moment. You already have a sense of your background, your giftings, your interests, but only God knows your future, the incredible plan he has in store just for you, the way that you are uniquely equipped, gifted, and called to serve the kingdom. So as we now present to God his tithes and our offerings, I invite you to consider that, to pray about that. How might God be planning to use you and your gifts of his tithes and offerings, and the gifts of your time and talents. You can give today digitally via the number on your screen or the website you find on the screen, or you can mail in your offering. That's a great use for your, perfect, uh, for your favorite stamp. Um, or you can drop it off here in the building outside of the church. There's a box out there. If you're worshiping with us in person today, you'll find some baskets outside the door on your way out the auditorium. But however you choose to give, please know this. Your generosity makes possible the ministries of Christ Church 
and our mission partners here, near, and far. Places all over the world are doing ministry uh, in part due to your support. You make that possible. Thank you for that. Your generosity and its impact stretch through the generations into the kingdom far to come, farther than we will ever know. Thank you for that. Good morning to you, Christ Church. It is a joy to be with you here in this room worshiping, and it is also a joy to be with those of you who are joining us online. Wherever you are, God is present. Wherever you are, God desires to speak to us collectively this morning, and I am so looking forward to digging into the word with you, and so I wanna begin this morning by asking you a question. What if I told you that I thought I knew what your purpose in life is. Now you might be thinking to yourself, you don't know me. I already know my purpose, how could you possibly know my purpose? You see, but I'm not just talking about our own individual purposes, but our collective purpose. That is, not just your purpose, or not just my purpose, but our purpose in this world together as the church. See, this purpose for us is laid out in the grand narrative in the story of God, and so what I want to do with you this morning is unpack that purpose, because I believe this purpose is perhaps more important than ever as we step into 2021. That we as the church, as God's people, would embrace this purpose and choose to live it collectively amid a very weary and tired and hurting world. And that when we together live out this purpose, we collectively would bring hope, light, and love. 
And so we're gonna walk through the story of God this morning and then we're gonna land eventually in Matthew's Gospel chapter two where we are going to together discover how we live this purpose. So before we dig in, let us pray. Lord, we thank you so much that you are the God that sees. We thank you that you are the God that calls us. We thank you that you are a God that loves us so much that you would give us a purpose in this world. And so Lord, we pray that in these next few moments that our hearts would connect to yours. We pray in these next few moments that we would hear from you, that you would speak to us, and that we would leave this place different with a fresh and new vision for life here on earth, that we might live on earth as it is in heaven. So God, we open our hearts to you right here, right now. Have your way. In the name of Jesus we pray, amen. In the beginning of this story, God created. God created the heavens and the earth and looked and saw that God's creation was good and grand and beautiful. God created humanity, Adam and Eve, and invited them to live out their purpose by ruling over a creation. They walked with God in very beautiful ways. There was shalom, there was peace, there was cohesion, there was harmony, and there was unity. And sadly, eventually, it was humanity that pulled that first thread that caused everything to unravel which then sin and decay and brokenness and darkness entered into God's very good creation and we see a new kind of backdrop in the story of God. We see evil. We see the Bible's first murder when brother kills brother. We see violence. We see men take many wives for themselves. We see individuals lording over and powering over one another. We see brokenness and sin and decay And in fact, as God looks over God's very good and beautiful creation, as things begin to unravel, we see in Genesis chapter six, the Lord says, the Lord saw the wickedness of humankind was great in the earth, and that every inclination of the thoughts of their hearts was evil continually. It goes on, the Lord was sorry that he made humankind on the earth, and it grieved him to his heart. The earth was corrupt in God's sight, and the earth was filled with violence. God's big and beautiful grand creation, so good. Things are now unraveling, and God overlooks his creation and is grieved at the violence, is grieved at the sin, is grieved at the decay. And eventually, the whole earth is filled with a flood. And if you are reading the Bible for the first time with fresh eyes, you might read through this and think, does God have a plan? Is God going to do anything about this? And we see then God move in with the gift of grace. So we see the sign of God's covenant, the rainbow. God promises to begin restoring God's creation. And then we see in just a few chapters later, we see God move in more with a bigger plan God's plan begins to unfold. You see, so often we think that we don't understand or see God's plan until the cross. But actually, within the first 11 chapters of Genesis, we see God's plan and purposes begin to unfold. And what God does is God calls humanity 
to join him in this redeeming and healing of creation. And he does this by calling a nomad by the name of Abram. And he says to Abram, in Genesis chapter 12, he says, go, go from your country, go from everything you've ever known, leave. Leave your people and your household and you're gonna go to a new land that I'm gonna show you. Some of you might remember Abram from some of those Sunday school songs that we did, Father Abraham and many sons. This is who we're talking about right here. He says, I'm going to make you into a great nation. I will bless you, I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. And I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you I will curse, and all the peoples on the earth will be blessed through you. So God calls this nomad by the, nomad by the name of Abram, and he says, I'm gonna do something spectacular in you. I'm gonna make you into a nation. And this, this blessing that was, that was broken at the fall, I'm going to begin to restore it and you're gonna begin to experience this harmony that we see in the beginning of creation. I'm gonna begin to restore the earth. He says, and you're gonna experience this blessing. And he said, not only that, but the world is going to be blessed through you. And so God calls Abram to this life of faithfulness. He must, of course, have a child. His wife is old and barren. He is old. In a moment of doubt, God calls him outside again. He says, Abram, look at the stars in the sky. Can you count them? He says, that, that's gonna be your offspring. In other words, these people that I'm talking about, they're gonna be as numerous as the stars in the sky and they are going to experience this blessed condition that was broken at the fall, and they are going to also bless the world. In other words, that they were going to live in such a way that they would reflect the goodness of God to a weary world. That these people that God would call to be a nation, to be a holy people that he was calling them into covenant with, they would live in such a way that the world would be able to peer into the people of God and see and say, oh, I am blessed because I now see what God is like. I am blessed because I see what God is like through you and I want to actually be a part of that, that they would be a radiant, living, a radiant community, that they would live in stark contrast, that they would live counterculturally to the rest of the world. And we see God's pe- God calling his people to live this out as he expands his covenant, as they are called to live under the law, and we see this covenant then expanded and deepened with David, and we see this continue on until we arrive to the Gospel of Matthew and something awesome happens. That these people that are called to live in a countercultural and a peculiar way, we we see them over and over harden their hearts, we see them turn their backs against God, and what what does God continuously do? Pursues them, calls them back, calls them to come back and live in such a way that they would be a blessing to the world, that the world would see what God is like. And even when they turned their backs and they broke their end of the covenant, God moved in. And this child in which we celebrated, born in a manger just a couple of short weeks ago, moves in and eventually 
this story has reached its destination or climax in the person of King Jesus. And what we see through the life and then the death and then the resurrection is just how deathly serious God is about restoring this creation for something absolutely magnificent happens as this death meets, as this king meets his death on a cross, he heaps up upon himself and he absorbs the world's sin and brokenness and decay and violence and evil and corruption all upon himself. But we know the good news in which we will celebrate in just a couple of months in Easter is that the grave could not keep him there and he was indeed risen to new life and something awesome happens. You see these stars in the sky? It's now not just ethnic Israel that is a part of that, but you and I are invited. So you often think of it like an expander table. See, I have a dining room table. You know, sometimes we'll put the expander in it because we want to welcome more guests and we pull up the chairs. You see, the coming of Jesus is, is that great expander table that just keeps going and going and going and going and it's no longer ethnic Israel that are part of the stars of the sky, but Jesus says, come, the feast is here and he's pulling up chairs for us and he says, come and dine and sit at this table. We are now the stars in the sky. We are now included in this plan and we are now invited to join God and being a blessing to the world. She isn't just about getting into heaven, but we're actually called to partner with God, to get busy with God, to be a blessing, not only that we would experience this harmony, not only would we experience this blessing in the world, but as the ways that we are living together, that the world would be blessed in our life together, that the world would be blessed in the ways that we are putting on display God's love and grace and goodness in this world, and that we would live in such a way that those looking in to the church to the people of God, would say, oh, is that what Jesus is like? Because if that's what Jesus is like, then I wanna be a part of that. Those that, who might call themselves, oh, I don't know, I'm spiritual, but not religious, I just don't do that church thing. I just can't get into it. But then they see the radiance of God's people, the stars in the sky, those who are gathered at the great banquet table and they say there's something so loving, there's something so curious, there's something so different, there's something so unique, there's something so beautiful, and I want to be at that table. You see, it's like this. I am a self-proclaimed sports hater, although my kids are in here and my mama always told me not to use the word hate, so I'm a self-proclaimed sports disliker then. I just never have really gotten into sports. I was a swimmer, which is more of an individual sport, and I was also a competitive horse rider, again, individual. And I just have never been able to sit down and watch a baseball game or a basketball game or football game for very long. I grew up, my dad would watch the Chicago Bears, and to this day, whenever I hear a football game happening in the background of, of our family room, I want to take a nap, because that's what I used to do growing up. The sound just automatically makes me want to go to sleep. I, I am not even a fair weather fan. I might maybe be called a poser. You see, because in 2016, I was living in Southern California, pastoring out there, 
born and raised Chicagoland, and I was watching the Chicago Cubs win the World Series. And suddenly, I was interested. But do you know what drew me in? It wasn't just the sport. All that was interesting. What drew me in was you guys, the fans. What drew me in was all the people I would watch on Facebook Live and I would watch the news all the way from Southern California and I was missing my people, I was missing Chicago. As I was watching the streets fill up of people gathered around Wrigley Field, strangers and foes and friends with their arms around one another, swaying and hugging, tears streaming down their eyes as they are collectively singing, go Cubs, go. I thought, I wanna be a sports fan right now. I want to be there, I want to be a part of that because their joy was attractive to me, their excitement and their energy. You see, I I wonder oftentimes what the world thinks when they look at the church. They look and they, they see the camaraderie, they see the togetherness and the love and the grace and the beauty of the community and they think, you know, I didn't think I would ever be into this God thing, I didn't think I would ever be interested in church, but there's just something about them that I actually want to be a part of, that we would attract outsiders, if you will. You see, there's no one perhaps better that did this than Jesus himself. It is attract outsiders with his radiance. You see, so hopefully by now you've been able to discern that our collective purpose is to live in such a way that we would partner with God and not only experience the blessings of what God is restoring, but that we also would live in such a way that we would put on display for the world to see that God is good and awesome and loving. Amen? Can we get on board with that purpose? Yes, amen, okay, great. And so what we see then is we see that no one did this better than Jesus himself. Let's take a look at Matthew chapter two, verses one through 11. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, where's the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed and all Jerusalem with him. When he had called together all the people's chiefs, priests, and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Messiah was to be born. In Bethlehem, Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, go and search carefully for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me so that I too may go and worship him. After they had heard the king, they went on their way, and the star they had seen, when it rose, went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child and his mother, Mary, and they bowed down and worshiped him. This is the word of the Lord. I am thankful today. We see this incredible story in which Pastor Dan preached a couple of weeks ago of these three magi or magicians or these these men of, of said to be from an occult, of the Zoroastrian occult, from the east, 
They somehow had discerned through, through astrology, looking at the stars in the sky, that there was going to be a great king that would be born in Bethlehem. And so they follow this star some 1,000 miles, and they, they come to this super city of superstructures, where there's someone by the name of King Herod who rules. And he worked hard to gain favor of the people, King Herod. He built many grand, powerful superstructures. He, he won wars. He, he was able to lord over and rule with power and might. And yet, these three Zoroastrian priests, they arrive in the city, and they come across King Herod. And they don't think once, that's him. They don't think once we've arrived, this must be where the king is born. But instead, as they are asking around and they follow the star, as soon as they arrive to this baby in a manger, in the margins, they bow down and worship him. How peculiar that they, upon coming to King Herod, did not bow down and worship him. We have one king who is, rules with, with an iron fist, if you will. He rules with power and might. And we have another king that assumed his seat as king. He did not get his seat as king through war or through powering over or through might or through military conquest. But instead, he assumes his role as king. And on the other end, we have a king who fights for that seat. One has to wonder, these magi who are in the capital city, why did they know? Jesus, born in the margins, nothing glamorous, no military victories to become king, meek and humble in the darkness of the night, one of grand beginnings in power and might, and another meek and humble in the quiet of the night. Jesus attracted these outsiders from the east. And of course, Jesus later proclaims in John's Gospel, chapter eight, verse 12, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. And all throughout the Gospels, we see Jesus, yes, upsetting religious leaders, but he was upsetting more of those who were already on the inside but he was attracting over and over and over through his light, his teaching, his love. Those from the outside and in the margins were attracted and drawn to him, which is an important truth for us today. If our purpose is to live in such a way that we would display God's love and beauty and radiance in this world, is that. And if Jesus is the exact representation of the radiance of God, is the light of the world, then this purpose cannot happen without Jesus. Living out this purpose disconnected from Jesus is completely and utterly futile. And the invitation for us in 2021 is perhaps to choose to decide here and now or wherever you are to embrace this purpose. Because whether we like it or not or whether we realize it or not, we are displaying to a weary world 
something. We are giving the world a preview of either the love of God, of the grace of God, of the goodness of God, or we are going to give the world a preview of sin and decay and bitterness and brokenness and malice and envy and deceit. And we have to choose by connecting to the radiant source which we will display. And I believe when we day in and day out, moment by moment, minute by minute, choose to connect to the light, the radiant source, we will display to a weary world. You see, I love taking my boys to the movies, though it's been a while with COVID. But I remember one particular movie a couple of years ago, uh, we saw the movie previews, and sometimes the best part of the movies is the previews. I love watching previews. And I remember watching the Lion King preview. I, I, I am a child of the Lion King cartoon, a, a child of the 90s, and I loved the Lion King. I've seen it hundreds of times. And so when I watched the preview of this new Lion King come out, I was captivated. I knew that I had to see it. In fact, there was a moment where just a little tear came down my eye when they took cute little Simba and held him up, and it was just absolutely adorable. And I thought, I have to see that movie. And just two minutes of seeing a preview, I knew that I, I wanted to see it. You see, we are constantly giving the world a preview of something. And my question for us is that our children, our grandchildren, our neighbors, our friends, and our coworkers, when they dial into the preview and they look at us, our lives, do they say, I wanna be a part of that? And I've never considered myself Religious, I've never really been into church, but there's something so beautiful and radiant that just draws me in. What a purpose for us. What a calling for us to decide right here, right now, today, that no matter where life takes us, no matter the circumstances, through the valleys and the mountaintops, that we as a collective people of God perhaps would spark revival in our country simply by connecting to the radiant source and allowing the radiance of God to exude out of our, out of our lives that the world would see and say, if that's what God is like, if that's what church is like, well then I want in. So I don't know where you are this morning, online or here, but I suspect there's always someone that's going through something. I get that, I know. And perhaps it's been a while since you've connected your heart to the radiant source. Let me say this, in God's economy, there's grace. And the moment we cry out, God is there. And so our worship team and Tony is gonna sing over us and guide us into a song. I want to allow them to sing over you for a moment and then perhaps allow their words to become yours. And there's some lyrics in this song that just simply say, Lord, I, I need you. We need him to display this radiance to a weary world. And so would you simply allow the spirit to sing over you? And would you open your heart to God's right here, right now, wherever you are? and simply say, Lord, I need you.
Like the rushing wind, would you breathe within my heart? Through the raging storm, would you hold me in your arms? Cause I need you. How I need you. I need your love like I need water. I need your love like I need breath inside of my lungs. Like a fire, come and take me over. Jesus, draw me closer to Your heart. Through the wind and rain, I can hear. Still sing out your praise, your praise. with this, wherever you're seated, I want to invite you to bow your head and close your eyes and simply lift your palms up. It's just a simple way of saying, God, I surrender. I need you. And I want to invite you to imagine for a moment what this radiant life looks like in your own life, in your home, in your marriage, your interactions with your children and your neighbors, your comings and goings or in your workplaces and your business dealings. For a moment, try to imagine what you look like living this life out. And simply ask yourself, do they know that I'm a child of God's? through my life, through my actions, through my business dealings. And simply ask yourself, am I displaying the radiance of love of God in a weary world? 
I want to invite you to then ask, how can I orient or organize or reorient my life to connect more deeply and regularly with God and then to display the love of God to the world around me? What is one new thing that you can do this year to either help you connect more deeply with God? Is it finding a spiritual mentor? Is it talking to a pastor? Is it asking for a book to read? Is it begin reading your Bible or simply praying in morning or evening? Because friends, here's what I know. God is a God that wants to give and connect with you. God is wildly in love with you and God is wildly in love with God's creation that he would actually invite us to partner with him and bless the world. Would you soak in the love of God this morning? I know that 2020 has been a year, I've lived it too, but here's the good news. God is here, present, pouring out God's grace and love upon you, inviting you into something deeper and more beautiful and radiant in this new year. So let me pray for us. Lord, we thank you for your presence here in this place. Lord, we thank you that you see us, that you know us, that you call us. I pray specifically for the person who is so broken that they can't even imagine what a radiant life looks like. God, would you envelop them with your grace? God, I pray for those who are grieving. There's just been too much loss and heartache to bear. God, would you envelop them with your grace? God, I pray for those who are jobless, and wondering where tomorrow's meal is going to come from, God, would you cover them with their grace? God, I pray for those who are in a broken marriage or relationship right now and are wondering where redemption is, God, would you cover them with grace? God, I pray for those who have more, more questions and doubts than answers, God, would you cover them with grace? So God, we need you like water, like the air that we breathe. In the name of Jesus, amen. Closer than my every breath, closer than my every step, closer than the song I sing, Closer than anything, closer than my every breath, closer than my every step, closer than the song I sing, closer than anything, closer than my every breath, closer than my every step, closer than the song I sing, closer than anything. Love like I 
of that song I can almost just imagine God saying yes yes that as we cry out God I need you yes God I want to connect more deeply with you yes God I I want to be in relationship with you yes God I want to display your love in this world yes yes amen so as you go this day as we send you out. May you go in the love of God, soaked in the grace of God, displaying to a weary world the radiance of God. And on this day, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. And the most powerful name of our triune God, God who created the heavens and the earth, God the Son who laid down his life, and God the Spirit who will empower you to live the radiant life for the glory of God. And all of God's people said, Amen.